is true. Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 10. Mark, chapter number 10. One day last month, I uh, wrote a morning manna entitled, Are You a Convert? I started that article with these words. I said, I miss the old word convert. You you just don't hear much about that anymore. And uh, it's so very important. But uh, every time I hear that word, it reminds me of, of a true story of a fellow that had just finished preaching a week-long revival meeting or evangelistic meeting of some kind. And so when the meeting was over, uh, another preacher friend, as they were talking about it, and uh, he asked him, he said, well, how many converts did you have? And he said, two and a half. And the fellow kind of looked at him funny, you know, and said, uh, uh, oh, you mean you had two adults and and a child saved? He said, no, no. Just the opposite. I, I mean, I had two children and one adult saved. He said, those two children have all of their lifetime to live for the Lord, and the adult has already wasted half of his life. It's a shame that we don't think of it that way. You know, so many times we just think, you know, after a service, well, what happened today? Oh, I just some kid got saved. I mean, really, it's so strange that we don't emphasize the importance of children as we should. That reminds me of the story about this fellow that was out. Uh, he was a landscape uh, artist, and he was out in the countryside, and he had his easel all set up there and was painting this landscape out in the country. And soon the, some of the neighborhood kids found out about it, and so they're all gathered around him and they're watching him as he's as he's sketching all of this out and finally after several minutes of watching him one of the little boys said uh, uh, please sir would it be possible to put us in the picture point being there far too many times we leave the kids out of the picture we, we, we just put them in the background somewhere. And uh, that's a big mistake. We need to think about children as being special. Uh, I mean, who can, uh, th- those of you my age anyway, uh, the mention of Art Linkletter and automatically you start thinking about the, the show he had. I guess that would have been back in the 50s and the early days of TV. Children say the darndest things and boy, just to, you know, every parent uh, could nearly write a book uh, on the things that little kids say. It is absolutely amazing. I read about one Christian school teacher, and she uh, asked the students if they would write a letter to God. Now, I don't have time to read all of them, but there were a few that impressed me. And Joyce, she said, Dear God, thank you for being... Uh, uh, thank you for the baby brother, but I prayed for a puppy. <laughs> Raphael said, Dear God, if you give me a Jenny lamp like Aladdin, I'll give you anything you want except my money and my chess set. 
Well, Sam said, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. (laughs) Oh, let's see. Jenny said, dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. I love what Donna said. She said that we read that Edison made light. But in Sunday school, they said you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, we could go on and on and on. But I want to talk to you about something much more serious than those letters to God. And I want you to notice here in Mark chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 13. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them and his disciples rebuked those that brought them but when Jesus saw it he was much displeased and said unto them suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God verily I say unto you whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child he shall not enter therein And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. Have you ever wondered about all of the things concerning Jesus that you would like to have seen? I mean, to have been there and uh, to witness these miracles that he worked. How about walking on water? Or how about whenever he said, Lazarus, come forth and... Lazarus got up out of the grave and walked out. And we think about all of these miracles, but of all of the things Jesus did, I don't know that there is a better picture than this picture of him there with those little kiddos on his lap and him touching them and and conveying to them just how important they were in his sight. What a... What a picture that is. And this morning, I want us to think about this matter. You notice how serious this is. He said, unless you come to the kingdom of God as one of these little children, you're not going to get in. And so automatically we see this is something that is extremely important to us. And I want you to notice four things. First, the blessing of bringing children to Jesus. And that's what it tells us here in verse number 13. It says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. You know, I don't know of any greater joy than being able to lead a child to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And especially when that child is your child or a grandchild. How thrilling that is to be able to sit there with the Bible in your hand and show them the way of salvation and see them as they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And let me say something to you parents that you need to remember. If you have the opportunity to lead your child to Christ, don't ever give that privilege away to somebody else. That Look, that'll be an experience that you will cherish for the rest of your life. Don't relegate that to the Sunday school teacher or the preacher or someone else. I'll never forget years ago, and the first time it really hit me, we had an adult woman that called up 
and said, Preacher, my daughter, who was nearly an adult at that time, my, my daughter is asking how to be saved. And so I told her, I told her that I would call you and have you to come over and explain to her how to be saved. And boy, it just rattled around in my brain for a second. And I, I said, well, why don't you tell her? Explain it to her. Oh, but yeah, you could explain it better. Why, why would you want to give away that privilege of leading your child to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And from the time your child is born, you ought to be working toward bringing that child to Christ and ought to do everything in your power in order to, in, in order to, to do that. And there are a lot of things that, you know, that can help. Of course, nothing's going to take the place of the Word of God, reading God's Word. So, so many times, you know, we, uh, we need to get back to the old days of the guffy readers, you know, and where the children learned to their ABCs by reading God's Word, and we, we got away from that. And, and look, I'm, I'm not trying to embarrass any of you parents, but it, it's amazing to me that, you know, you can talk to a little kid about all of these different stories, and I'm not going to try to name any because I don't know very many, I, but you know what I mean. And some of these little kids, wow, it's amazing how much they know about these stories. I'm talking about the animated cartoons and stuff like that. Tell them about Jesus. Well, let me tell you, Walt Disney has never come up with anything that is nearly as exciting and thrilling as what the Bible teaches. How about them walls when they come tumbling down? How about that? How about old Daniel there in the lion's den? And the stories go on and on and on. Use the Scriptures in order to, to, to build a foundation that your child be saved on later. Songs can be used. You know, it's real easy for us to... Uh, well, we don't have to teach our kids. All we got to do is hand them a cell phone, and and I, I just blows my mind, you know, to see we got grandkids that'll come over, and the first thing they want is Mamma's cell phone or the or her iPad and what have you. And I'm always afraid they're going to mess it up. And the fact is, they know ten times more about it than I do. It, I, I won't tell you all of the stuff they can do on it. It is just amazing what they can do. And as, as a result of that, you know, they can sing every word to some of those, some of those movie type animated movies and things like that. And, uh, that's not anything necessarily harmful about that. But I tell you, it's a whole lot better whenever you have enough Christian music in the home that they get excited about that. Amen. Let them know how important it is to you. Your example is another thing. There's nothing more important than that. I mean, look, you can, you can teach them to quote the entire Bible by rote memory. I mean, they can just quote any verse in the Bible. And, uh, and that'll never be enough. If your example, if your behavior is so repulsive that it turns them against Christianity, that's why a lot of kids don't want anything to do with Christianity because they've seen the hypocrisy in mom and dad and they think it's all phony, it's all make-believe. They don't take it serious because you don't take it serious. Your example is crucial in bringing your children 
to the Lord Jesus Christ and is a blessing that is beyond compare. But we also in this story see the blunder of hindering those children. It, it, it really is just mind-boggling. Notice what it says, the disciples rebuke those that brought them. Boy, this is a good example of how wrong good people can be. I mean, these are, these are men that have forsaken all to follow Christ. They love Christ. They're, they're following Him every day. And they look at this and, and notice they rebuke those that brought them. Why did you bring, now, I'm paraphrasing, you understand. Why did you bring those little brats here? They're just going to get in the way. They're going to make so much noise, none of the rest of us can hear. You know, I don't know what all was going through their mind, but they, they rebuke those that brought those kids. But we need to understand the situation also because when you go all the way back to verse number 1, it tells us something very important about the setting. It tells us that they were at this point on the other side of Jordan, that is, they're in the land of Perea. They are among the Gentiles here. And at this time, the disciples still did not really fully understand God's plan for the Gentiles. These men, you know, were Jews. These men thought about themselves as a superior people, God's favored people and what have you. And they failed to understand that the mission, God's mission for Israel was to use Israel as a light to bring the Gentiles to salvation. But they haven't thought all of that through. And it was way over in the book of Acts before you see that they begin to understand that. But at this point, they don't. And they're wondering why all of these Gentiles, you know, bringing their little kids out here to interfere with our meeting. Besides that, in those days, remember in the Roman Empire, children were not, uh, were not valued. Especially the female children. They were oftentimes killed at birth. You know, they didn't mind letting the boy live because the boy could grow and be a soldier and help Add to the strength of the army, you know. It reminds me in the days of Napoleon and as the, he and the armies leading them along and all of a sudden somebody calls out says, the bugle boy has fallen over a cliff, shall we stop? And he said, no, it's just a boy, leave him there. And that's the attitude that a lot of people have about children. They're just not held in that high esteem. And before we look back and we criticize these people, we better stop and think about us being the most murderous nation on the face of this earth, butchering those little children through abortion. And we look back at this and think, how awful, how terrible that was. It was terrible. It was awful. But look at what we're doing today. We could go on and on talking about that, but the Lord's response is all I need to say. Notice it says, verse 14, when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased. And then you'll notice He commanded that the children be allowed to stay. It's like you leave them alone. Look just across the page here, and I want you to notice how serious this is. Chapter 9 and verse number 42, 
And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were cast into the sea. A millstone, that's something that was used, you know, to crush and to grind up the olives. It weighed a ton or two. I mean, to have that tied around your neck and cast into the sea, I mean, that is certain death. And the Lord is reminding us that that would be better for you than for you to prove to be a hindrance and a stumbling block to one of these little kids. This is a blunder with serious consequences. We think about all of the horrible ways that children are abused today. Some ways that I wouldn't even speak about in a mixed audience and certainly with these kids in here, we think about the sex slavery and all of that. It is absolutely unbelievable. My mind cannot conceive how anybody could be so wicked, so vile as to do the things that they do to little children today. And you better rest assured they're going to be punished by God as a result of that. I believe the hottest part of hell is reserved for people like that. But let me tell you, they are not the only ones who hinder little children. Sometimes some of the, some of the greatest offenders are parents. I'm talking about parents that have no concern for Christ. I'm talking about those parents that says, you know, no, I'm not going to allow my kid to go to church down there. I want my kid, you know, to, to make up their own mind. Well, you're not giving them a chance to make up their own mind. You wouldn't use that kind of reasoning if it come to your garden, would it? Somebody, you know, you say, well, I think I'll have a garden this year. Well, what have you done? Oh, I bought two acres of land. Well, have you plowed? Oh, no, I'm not going to plow. I'm just going to wait to harvest time see what comes up. I can tell you what's going to come up, weeds. Man, you look, you got to clear it off. you got to plow. you got to plant. you got to go through all of that process. The seed has to be planted. And to use that kind of reasoning with your kids, say, oh no, I'm not going, I'm not going to make them go to church because, I, you know, mom, dad, they made me go to church when I was little and I resented it and so I'm just going to let them make up their mind. You're not giving them a chance. You know, we can talk all we want about the other kinds of child abuse and child neglect, but how much more serious could it get than that to say, I'm going to deprive my kid of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's child neglect. That's abuse. But they're not the only ones that are guilty of that. Not just the parents. You know, it can be any of those that in some way as a result of their conduct and their attitude and so forth, any of those that, that put up a roadblock for those little kiddos. And by the way, it's really hard, if not impossible, to deceive those kids. They can tell in a matter of minutes, usually, whether you like them or not. They really can. Well, they can see through all of that phony baloney. They know when you like them or not. 
and how horrible it is when we leave the impression that, look, I'm willing to tolerate you. Just don't get in my way. Don't bother me. But I really don't want anything to do with you. And they pick up on that. When Jesus saw it, and He always does, He was much displeased. The third thing I see here is that the best time to come to Jesus is when you're a child. That's the very best time. That's, by the way, that is the easiest time. This is, you know, before a child reaches the age of what we call the age of accountability, that term's not in the Bible, but certainly it is in principle. That time whenever they finally begin to realize that they are a sinner in God's sight, that they are accountable to God, that they are in need of a Savior, until they get to that point, they're safe. I'm not going to go into that. I've preached a sermon about do babies go to heaven, and, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. They do. Believe me. Believe me. There are a lot of preachers, some Baptist preachers, that do not believe that. They believe, that, well, that they, let me change that. They believe that the elect babies go to heaven, but the non-elect, they just, God doesn't want anything to do with them. You'd be amazed how many preachers you listen to on the radio that believe that and how many preachers there are in the Houston area that believe that kind of nonsense. I believe they're safe, and I believe that because of the fact that, that Christ has made provision. David said, I, he said, you know, I, I can't bring my kid back, but I can go see him. He wouldn't have made that statement if the kid wasn't in heaven, I'll tell you that. But finally, one day, now listen carefully, there comes a time in every child's life, I don't know what the age of accountability is, only God knows that, because it's different for every child. There are those that have mental problems and so forth. There are those that, that mature at a later date and, and what have you. But there reaches a time in that person's life where they become aware of the fact that they are a sinner in the sight of God. And let me tell you, at that point in time, that little child that you love so much, when they reach that age of accountability, they are only one heartbeat away from hell. That's why it's important that we realize that children need to be saved as early as as possible. I'm talking about before they are firmly entrenched in sin, before they've been confused by falsehood, before their heart is hardened to the truth of God's Word. And their youth is our opportunity, and we better not waste it. I'm saying all of that to remind you that no ministry is any more important than a children's ministry. You know, we think about the different ministers we have designed for children. And as I said, we had a crew out all last week at another church conducting vacation Bible school for children. The week before that, it was vacation Bible school here. And then, of course, the week before that was camp. They, you know, we might not classify them as children, but 
Brother Kenneth might. <laughs> Some of them might have behaved that way. I don't know, but I doubt that. I'm just poking fun at you now. But I'm saying it is so very important to realize. And we say, well, we're having vacation Bible school next week. That's a big deal, folks. That's important. The salvation of little children depend on that. I'll never forget in the first church I pastored, Fairgrove, Missouri. The first church I pastored, we conducted a vacation Bible school that year. And we had, and remember, this is in a little town of 200. And Bev can correct me if I'm wrong. But if I remember right, we had 26 or 28 professions of faith because we had several more during the course of the year. And you know what the first thing I heard after that was? Some for Jesus and all of their life hardly just sat around and couldn't get a hold. Sat there and look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. But boy, they opened their mouth when all of a sudden we got 20-some kids up there that made a profession of faith. And, and all of a sudden all of the doubters, the naysayers started, well, I don't know. I don't think these kids are old enough to know what, what's going on. You know, over the year, and by the way, let me tell you, there are times whenever children will make a, what do you call it, a false profession of faith. I mean, there are times that children make a profession of faith. Let's not kid ourselves. They make a profession of faith because some other kid comes down the aisle and they see them get saved and they want to get in on that because they got a lot of attention. People come around and shook their hand, so they want to do that. And that, sure, that happens. I'm going to tell you, it happens with adults too. Until we see evidence to the contrary, I think we ought to accept their testimony. I mean, unless they say something that just is, is proof that they do not understand the gospel, and then, why well, we wouldn't accept that, whether it was an adult or a child or whoever it was. But it is crucial. And in our mission statement, by the way, we, we make mention of this, that our mission as a church is to reach people for Christ at the earliest possible age. That's where the greater emphasis ought to be. We look well to go from the, from the nursery all the way to the nursing home. But we should never expend any more energy on anything else any more than children's ministries, whether it's Sunday school or a one or a vacation Bible school or whatever it is. The best time for them to ever be saved is as soon as possible. Now look at verse 15, and this is the fourth thing I want you to notice, and that's the benefit of being childlike. I didn't say childish. But childlike. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. The whole point is that children have certain qualities about them that would be helpful for all of us. While anyone can be saved at any age, the chances of people being saved are a lot better when they're young. They're better because of these childlike characteristics. For example, they ha a little kid has a sense of, of awe and wonder. It's, it's amazing what you learn by looking into the eyes of, or the face of, of a child. They have a wonder that most people uh, are missing. We need to get what they've got. 
We think about the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. The title of the message today, by the way, is Jesus Loves the Little Children. That's the title of the message. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in His sight. And we think about that song, Jesus Loves Me. And boy, to, just, to, to watch the faces of those little kids whenever they're singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And man, that you, you can just tell they're really in it. And you look across the room at some of the adults, and it's like the picture of boredom. And let me tell you, what could be more profound you know, we're trying to think about that as a little children's song. No, it's not. It's about children, but it's not a children's song. It is stating a truth that we all need to rejoice in, the fact that Jesus loves me, whether we're a child or whoever we are. And let me tell you, if you can't, if you can't see that, you are nowhere near ready to be saved. As I've often said, whenever I trusted Christ as my Savior, it, I'd heard some sermons about hell. And I, I, I believe the Bible was the Word of God. I didn't know anything about it, but I believe the Bible was... I mean, if it wasn't the Word of God, there wasn't any Word from God. I mean, where else are you going to go? If you turn away from the Bible, what are you going to turn to? For whatever reason, even though I hadn't been raised in church, I believed that the Bible was the Word of God. I'd heard sermons preached about creation, heard sermons preached about hell. I'd laid there in the backyard at night, you know, time and time again, looking up at the stars and thinking, you know, there must be a God. There has to be a Creator for all of this to happen. I was amazed by that. But look, it wasn't the fear of punishment. It wasn't the amazement of God's creation. It wasn't the fact that God is so wise and God is so powerful that turned my heart from sin to the Savior. It was Romans 5, 8 and John 3, 16. Amen. He loved us in that while we were yet sinners. I, I had given my family, I had given my friends and everybody else that knew me, I had given them absolutely every reason to despise me and not to want anything to do with me. I really, I, look, I, there's no way I could have blamed them. I couldn't have blamed Bev if she had walked away and said, look, I'm through with this nonsense. You've hurt me for the last time, and me and the kids, we're, we're, we're leaving, and we're not coming back, and we don't want you hanging around. I, I couldn't have blamed her for that. And I couldn't get over the fact to think, how could God love somebody like me? But He did. He did. And let me tell you, He loves you also. And there's something about that childish sense of wonder and awe. And that song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. We need that sense of awe and wonder that children have. We need that sensitive spirit that children have. 
Sometimes you hear a dad saying to his little boy, you know, stop that crying and act like a man. Well, he's not a man. He's a child. Number two, it doesn't make you a man because you don't cry. You say, well, I'm afraid somebody think it's a sign of weakness. No, it, 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 it is a weakness whenever you can't cry. The children, they haven't been hardened to the things of life yet. They've got that sensitive spirit about them. They've, they've got an humble spirit about them. They're, they're, you know, they're not to the point that they, you know, they think that, uh, that the world revolves around them. Uh, but most of all, they have a trusting spirit. If, were I to ask how many of you fathers and, and mothers have taken your little kids as soon as they could stand, you know, or at some point in time put them up on maybe on the kitchen table, say, come on, jump to daddy. Here they come. Why? But they trust you. They are confident that if they take that leap out into thin air, that you're going to catch them. I want you to, Read in Matthew 18 with me. And at the same time, the disciples said unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That simple childlike trust, faith... You see, salvation is not a mystery for us to solve. Now, there are mysterious things about it, but you don't get saved because, you know, that you solve some religious mystery. It's not a puzzle for you to work out. It's not, it's not a wage that you earn. It's not a reward that you deserve. Salvation is a gift. It is a gift that is and can be received only by faith. Simple, child-like faith. Nothing difficult about that, is there? Nothing. And yet, as even though there's nothing difficult about it, it's difficult for some people because of that self-righteous pride they have in their heart. Because if all that they do, and, and I've had people tell me, I had my own daddy tell me one time, that just sounds too easy. There's got to be more to it than that. For God to forgive me all of my sins and take me to heaven when I die, I'm, surely I've got to do something. No, that, look, that's the biggest hindrance you can ever have in your life, is to think that you've got to do something to appease the wrath of God and for Him to accept you. The Bible says that we are accepted in the Beloved. That's Christ. We're accepted in Him. You can work your fingers to the bone. You can be baptized in every creek till every, every, every 
tadpole knows you by name, you give up on all of this religious, self-righteous nonsense and just come to the Lord and say from the bottom of your heart, Dear Lord, I realize I'm a dirty, rotten sinner and I don't deserve anything, but I'm asking you for Jesus' sake to save my sinful soul. And I'm trusting Him this day as my Savior. And that simple childlike faith is all you need to become a child of God. So how is it with you this morning? The best time for anybody to be saved is when they're young, but some of you are way, way beyond that. You're, uh, shall I say, you are that half convert he spoke about. A good part of your life is already gone. Don't waste any more of it. And if you're here today as a, as a parent, or whether you're a parent or not, whoever you are, please understand that the Lord expects you to do everything within your power to bring these children, our children, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to make that commitment today? We're going to stand together and sing a verse of invitation. If you're here and you've never been saved, I encourage you and invite you to come today and receive the Lord as your Savior. Those awaiting baptism, if you will come and let it be known. If you're here and just need to do business with God, you don't have to say a word to me or Brother Kenneth, but please don't walk out of here with unfinished business. While we stand as we sing together. It's 342, 342. ladies were saved at camp not Bible school but at camp and they're coming today to present themselves for baptism and brother Kenneth has spoken with them and and they've even though they've made a profession of faith earlier in their life uh, this is one of those instances that they that they come to realize they had never really been saved Haley Virtue uh, and, and Sky Golden and so What's the favor of the church regarding their request? Amen. Amen. All, in, all in favor, let me know that lift a hand. All opposed, like sign. We're going to let them be dismissed and go on. And I'm going to turn the service over to Brother Kenneth. And, and look, please, maybe you're here today and, and, and just like it was with me so many years ago as an unsaved person. And I kept thinking, you know, if I can wait just a little bit longer, I'll get, I'll get out of here. And I'll never forget what the preacher said. He said, 
and I, I thought he was talking to me, but he was talking to everybody. He said, if you just take that first step, you know, if you just pick your foot up, take that first step. And I thought to myself, well, I, I bet I could do that, you know. And boy, I picked up one foot, and the next thing I know, I mean, here I come down the aisle. And somebody asked me when I got saved, and I said, I don't know, about halfway somewhere between when I left and when I got there. I, because I put my trust in Christ the best I knew how. And he never fails to do what he promised. Amen. Brother Kenneth, go, go ahead. Let's sing. Sure. 